Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. But I want to take a, a few minutes and to share something that's a bit of a continuation of what Pastor Jurgen was just talking about when it came to communion. And it's, it's an element or maybe a perspective or like an angle on God that maybe you've thought of, maybe you haven't. But it's a little bit like when, when you first meet somebody, you get to know them a little bit, some first impressions, and then you hang out with them a little bit longer and all of a sudden you see like another side of them. You know what I mean? Like when Katie married me and she thought like, Okay, this guy's obviously good looking. Uh, I mean, she can see that. I'm sure that's what she was thinking. <laughs> Actually, you know, it was kind of sad. Uh, you kind of, every guy sort of wishes, like, that's why the girl is, like, super into them. Uh, but then later on, she would tell the story and go, like, I knew I could work on him. I was like, wow. I knew I, I wanted to work on his hair, the way he dressed. I was like, Wow. So I'm bit of, pretty much like an HGTV home makeover project. You judge how it's going so far, you know? The big reveal. <laughs> See, yeah, move that bus. Okay. What, did you just call me a bus? Wow. Okay, listen, I hate too many donuts, okay? I'm sorry. Graham's trying to get me into fitness. It's not working so far. Uh, but... You know, in relationships, we do um, kind of get to know somebody more and then you see another angle. And I, I want to talk about maybe an angle or a part of God that maybe you've thought of before, maybe you haven't. But Pastor Jürgen mentioned it when he talked about how the blood covers. And when you go back, why does the blood have to cover our sin? Is because sin entered the earth. You and me, our sinners, were separated from God, but it wasn't originally like that right? God created perfection. God created this earth, paradise, without sin, without contamination, without all the drama that a lot of times you and me are facing on a day-to-day -day basis because of the effects of sin. God made a perfect paradise, made humanity perfect, and they were in the garden. And in that garden state, it's kind of weird for us to think about it now because we're post, you know, kind of the fall of man. But in the, originally, they were naked, the Bible says, and unashamed, Right? Because the glory of God covered them, because there was something different about their experience at that time. But then, sure enough, three chapters in, Genesis chapter three, sin is already coming in hot, right? And you're like, man, you couldn't even make it like to the end of the first book of the Bible. I mean, it was like three chapters in. But, uh, if you're a human, you got some grace for Adam and Eve because I think we, you know, maybe we would have done it sooner. I'm not sure. But three chapters in, Satan's tempting them. He, he gets them to get caught up in the lie of the moment and choose to go along with it and go, yeah, God's holding out of me. I'm going to do my own thing. God said, don't take of that from that tree. We're going to go ahead and do it anyways. And they take a bite of this fruit. And from that moment, things begin to shift. Their eyes are open in a different way. And all of a sudden, they, the Bible says they realize that they're naked. It's like they were covered, and then sin actually uncovered them. 
Sin actually left them exposed, left them feeling uncertain, feeling shame, feeling all these types of things. And when God comes and, and is looking for them in the garden, begins to have a conversation with them, and ultimately is like, hey, what happened? And uh, and Adam does like rule number one, what not to do in a marriage argument, right? God says, Adam, what happened? He says, this woman you gave me, right? He goes, he goes right to blaming her. It's like, hey, listen, they need they needed marriage counseling from day one. You know what I'm saying? Like, he he didn't get to read all the Gary Smalley books that we all get to read. You know what I mean? He's just like, it's the woman. And uh, so she goes, all right, it looks like this is the strategy. It's the snake. Although having said that, when in doubt, blame a snake. I think that's a, that's a decent, that's a decent uh, kind of argument and strategy. But they go through this whole blame game, and then ultimately they're going to have to leave the garden because of sin. They can no longer eat from the, the, the tree of life. But as before they are sent out, God does something unique and really powerful. He gives us a picture of kind of who he is. Genesis 3, verse 21, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Right? So in the very beginning, when sin first comes, and they get uncovered because of their sin, God's initial reaction is to cover them. See, I think a lot of times we think of God, and maybe maybe because of your upbringing or your home life or different situations, maybe you thought of God as just an uncoverer. You're like, man, God's just looking to expose my sin, you know, uh, you know, put on kind of some billboard, my issues, my dysfunction, my stuff I've faced and kind of call it out. Maybe you even got nervous, man, if I come to church, what's going to happen? They're going to call something out. God's going to expose because you thought, man, God's a exposer of my issues. Actually, God's a coverer. That's actually what God does. He comes to cover. Cover your shame. Cover your sin. Cover your brokenness. Cover your pain. That's what God does. Right from the beginning, he gives us that picture of who he is and what he's about. And, you know, maybe for for a lot of us, maybe growing up in different settings, you know, I had the privilege of growing up in a home where my dad knew how to cover. I learned that from him as a father. He was a protector. He was a leader. He was a provider. He oversaw. He was a spiritual leader as well. I had the rare privilege of being in an environment where my mom and dad are still married. They were married then. They love, they love each other. They love God. And they raised me in that atmosphere, right? So I grew up in an atmosphere where I was covered. I was protected, both naturally and spiritually, they understood about, like Pastor was talking about, the blood of Jesus like over a door, over a home. They understood how to apply the blood of Jesus to our lives and to our scenario. And so for me, when I, when I think of Jesus, when I think of this, this fatherhood, it's, it's a natural thing. But you know who didn't have that is my dad. You know, I oftentimes say that my testimony, my journey of relationship with Jesus, I got introduced when I was, you know, from, from birth, I made a decision to follow Jesus when I was like five. But you know what? My testimony of God transforming my family actually began, began with my dad. And I was talking to, I uh, was with the Awakening Recovery uh, the other day, which was amazing, uh, biggest fan. 
And uh, I got a chance to kind of talk about this. That my, my testimony began with my dad's testimony because my dad didn't grow up under covering. My dad's home life was completely uncovered. My dad's dad was an alcoholic. My dad's dad ran around on his mom. My dad's, uh, was, it was a dysfunctional environment, full of chaos. Oftentimes, the cops would be calling the home, and my dad would have to go and pick up his passed out, drunk dad out of a ditch somewhere, right? Come get your dad. He drove the car into the ditch again, right? So that was my dad's environment, but I'm so thankful that somebody in the neighborhood, her name's Dorothy, shout out to anybody named Dorothy. Dorothy shared Christ with my dad. Dorothy discipled my dad, brought him to church environments, so introduced him to the power of the Holy Spirit, introduced him to Jesus, and everything began to change. Even though he lived an uncovered life because of his home, he understood that actually Jesus ultimately is my covering, right? And then he was able to raise me in a different environment of that. And I think about that because whenever, and this is one of the things we're talking about with um, those at the recovery night, the, a lot of times when we talk about God being our father, right? I mean, he's our father. Are you thankful for your heavenly father? Some of you in the room are like, I love that. Some of you in the room, it, it, uh, it's like you cringe almost because you didn't have a good father situation. Maybe your picture of what a dad is and what a father was, was more of an uncoverer than an actual coverer, right? And so with that mindset and that, that, that approach, you sometimes have a hard time wrestling with this concept we're constantly chucking out about God being your father. But God reveals himself as not the exposer and the uncoverer and the coming to get you, but he actually, re he reveals himself as the covering God, the covering father, the one who loves you. If you think about the most iconic verse that probably most people, whether they're believers or not, know John 3.16, right? Well, how does it start out? For God so loved. He so loved the world that he gave. It doesn't start off with God was so mad that he decided to come down and, you know, doesn't say God was so pissed off. God was so disappointed. God was so, God so loved. That's why he came. That's the kind of father that we have, a heavenly father, a creator of everything that we see that came out of response, right? Uh, of our sin, we were exposed, we were uncovered, we were broken, and he said, I'm going to come and cover them right? And Jesus ultimately comes and there's, I'm going to end with this since the keys have come to encourage me. Thank you. <laughs> I asked for it. Better send her up or we could miss brunch. <laughs> if you've heard the story of the prodigal son, I'll just kind of share that a little bit. It's a really powerful story and I think I, I saw it with this lens of covering, kind of for the, some fresh eyes for the first time again recently. So the, the story goes, there's a father, he's got two sons. One son says, I'm good, dad, uh, give me my inheritance, I'm out of here, right? He says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run. And so father goes, okay. He gets his inheritance, gives it to him, sends him off. And it says that the son went and spent it in wild living, so... He might have went to all the 
you know, went to Vegas and, and got wild. You know what I'm saying? No one's laughing. You're nervous. You're like, you're like, crap, I have a ticket to Vegas for next week. This is, this isn't looking good. You can go to Vegas and not get like prodigal son wild. Okay. It's all right. It's all right. Everybody calm down. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm finding a new campus. <laughs> I'll be, let me talk about my Vegas trips. <laughs> But he goes and spends it in wild living. He squanders the inheritance, wastes it all, gets rid of it all through whatever means. And he finally finds himself broke. He finds himself alone and starving. Literally, he's like, okay, I got to go work. I got to make some money. I got to be able to feed myself. And he finds himself as a, a pig feeder. Like that, this is the job. And I think Jesus uses that as like, because, you know, pigs were 100% taboo in Jewish culture. So not only was this guy like feeding animals, it was feeding pigs. So this guy was really at the lowest of the low. And it says that he was so hungry that the pig food looked appetizing. How many know that's rock bottom? You know what I'm saying? Like, see, I've never seen animal food and thought, that looks good. You know what I mean? Like, I've never seen pig slop and thought, I'm going to give that a shot. You know what I mean? You know what? If, if the restaurants are full, I can always go to a farm nearby. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never thought that. It's not. So this guy is so low. He finally says he comes to his senses. And he goes, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home to my father's house because I don't deserve to be a son. But, man, the servants are eating better at my dad's house than I am right now. And I'm just going to go back. I mean, I, I've, I've messed up. I, I've you know, embarrass the family, but I'm just going to go. I'll be a servant in, in my dad's house. And that, that's it. So he decides I'm going to go home. And that was the best decision he could have ever made. Right. Just head home, broken, shamed, uncovered, but I'm heading home. And as he heads home, his dad, it says, sees him from a long way off. And his dad, it says that his dad jumped up and began to run to his son. Now, I think about this story because if you're the son who just kind of like squandered the inheritance, kind of gave the middle finger to your dad and took off, and you see him running at you from a long ways away, your instinct may not be like, I'm about to get a hug. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might be like, he is going to punch me. Like, he could take me out. He might use the old, I brought you in. I can take you out. You know what I mean? parent line. That maybe is what he could have thought. And after a little bit of time where dad's getting closer and closer, he sees a different expression on his father's face. Compassion, maybe a tear coming down his dad's eye because he's seen his lost son come home. And the Bible says that he reaches his son, wraps his arms around him, and hugs him. And then what is the first thing that he does? Well, first of all, the son starts giving his, I'm sorry speech. I'm not worthy speech right? Kind of like if you ever broke something and you're rehearsing your speech, so you're going to tell your mom, you know what I'm saying? Like when you were a kid and you're like trying to explain it or like, or the, Hey babe, I got a speeding ticket speech. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever your speech is, you've had to work out. And, um, so he goes into his, I'm not worthy to be a son speech. And his dad ignores it, stops him. And the first thing he does, he says, quick, bring the best robe and cover my son. Wow. How amazing is that? God's original 
response to the sin of man was to cover them. And he gives us another visual of that. And the father doesn't berate him, doesn't get into a yelling match with him, doesn't make him go to his room and think about what he just did. He reaches out to him and he says, cover my son. And he puts the best robe on him. And that, that robe represented his sonship, represented that he was in the father's house again, represented his, his, his royalty there. And I just think it's such a beautiful picture of what God has come to do for us. He didn't come, he's not come to condemn, but to save. He's not come to uncover you, but to cover you. He's come to love you. He's come to put his grace on your life. He's come to cover your sin, cover your shame, and bring you into the Father's house again. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? I want to pray with us before we head out here. I ask you to kind of close your eyes for a moment so you can have an undistracted kind of self-reflection moment. Because I, I wonder, are you at home with, with the Father? Are you in right relationship with God or do you feel distant and disconnected? You know, maybe... You feel like your life has been uncovered. You felt like you've, you've been kind of taking all the elements of life and didn't realize, wow, God wants to cover me. He wants to forgive me. He wants to heal me. He wants to set me free. And the truth is he does. He loves you. Maybe you're here for the first time or you've been coming just a short while and you've never yet made a decision to allow Jesus to cover you with his grace, with his goodness. And you, you go, man, today's my day. Easter Sunday, 2022, this is my moment to surrender my life to Jesus, to say yes to him, allow him to forgive me, heal me, and bring me into the family, not say distant anymore. Maybe that's you. This is going to be the first time you've done that. This is going to be amazing. We're going to celebrate with you. Or maybe you, you feel like a little bit like the prodigal son in the sense that you once walked with God and you had been in the Father's house and you feel like, man, I'm distant, I'm away, I've been running, I've been, I've been doing my own thing, I've been kind of squandering life in many ways, disconnected from the Father, and you just know, man, this is your moment. God is calling you, He's inviting you home. And right now, you've got your speech about how you feel unworthy, and maybe even you walked into the church building kind of with kind of the I'm not worthy speech, because maybe it's been what you feel like is quote unquote, too long since you've been inside of a church. But I'm telling you what, the only thing that the Father is trying to do right now is cover you. Cover you with His love. Cover you with His grace and bring you close. So on the count of three around the room, whether it's for the first time you're saying, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. I need you in my life. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. Maybe it's for the first time or maybe it's been a long time and you just know this is a time to make a fresh commitment, drawing a line in the sand and coming back home to Jesus. But everybody has to make this decision for themselves. So I'm asking you to reflect on it. Spouse can't make this decision. Your parent can't make this decision. Your child can't make this decision for you. Pastor can't make it for you. Every single one of us have got to make this decision to put Jesus as the leader and the Lord of our life so that he can cover us.
So on the count of three, if you say, that's me, Samuel, include me in this prayer. We're going to pray a simple, a bold prayer of saying, Jesus, you're the leader of my life. If that's you around the room, on the count of three, say, Samuel, include me in this prayer. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want you to boldly lift up your hand. We're going to pray with you. One, two, three, around the room. Lift up your hand. Amazing. Good. Good. See your hands. 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 So good. Amazing. 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 So good. How good is this? So many of you guys. He loves you. He wants to cover you. He's inviting you home. This is awesome. Here's what we're going to do. I want everyone around the room to stand to your feet. If you raise your hand or you were about to, there were so many of you. We want to take a moment just to be able to pray with you personally. I want to shake your hand. I'm going to invite you to come down here to the front just a moment. Maybe you raised your hand. Maybe you hadn't quite yet. You're like, you're right there on the edge. I want you to come as well. If you have family or friends next to you that raise their hand, I want you to say, hey, I'll, I'll come down with you. Maybe you got a friend that didn't raise their hand yet, but you're like, man, if, if you want to go, I'm, I'm going to come with you. Because we want to celebrate with you. We want to cheer you on. And you've got family that are about ready to celebrate with you. So if you raise your hand or you're about to, I want you to make your way out of the aisle right now, down here to the front. Let's cheer you on. Come forward. Proud of you guys. Make your way down here to the front. Come on, keep coming. You raise your hand, make your way forward. Come on, we'll give you a few more moments. Don't miss a moment. Good. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray with those who came forward. This is a big moment. Hey, what's up, man? I'm proud of you. Come on. Yeah. You know what? Those of you who came forward, we're going to pray with you. Repeat this. We're all as a church family going to pray with you. Maybe you raise your hand. You didn't come forward. We love you. God's God's with you right there where you're at. I want you to repeat this same prayer with passion and conviction because He's He's saving you. He's healing you. He's covering you right now. And this is a transforming moment. Everything's changing. Everything's shifting. God's healing your heart, forgiving you, bringing you from death to life right now in this moment. So church, would you pray with me and along with these incredible uh, men and women who came forward here. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin and raising him from the dead to give me life. Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Empower me to do your will. I live for you. From this moment on, you are my covering. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. 
or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.